0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to my channel. My name is Dr. TK, and in today's episode, we are on part three of my infertility journey, and we are going to be talking about surgery or no surgery to have a baby. Let's go ahead and dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel. So I am super excited. Um, if you have been joining me throughout this journey of this infertility, having a baby, being over thirty-five series, I want to say thank you and welcome. If you are new here, I would highly encourage you to stop this video, go back and watch part one, and then move your way into part two, then three, so that the buildup of the information that I'm going to share today makes sense. Okay. So I want to finish where I left off in part two. So So we are about two months away from the wedding, the big Hollywood wedding with my husband and I, or my um, fiance at that time. And we were really excited, of course. We had family coming in from different parts of the United States. I did all these fantastic things for my wedding party. And so needless to say, your girl is ready to get turnt. Okay, however, I went to that doctor's appointment in part two and they started telling me about all this information. So we ended up making an appointment with the surgeon because I did not want to not go and find out what really was going on with me because the nurses couldn't even really tell me what their definition of a septated uterus was, I had to wait to talk to the surgeon. So when I spoke to the surgeon, I felt like it was more of a sales pitch to be honest i didn't feel like it was genuine but when i look back on it of course hindsight i definitely know that your girl was in her feelings i was very upset and angry that this was happening to me and i didn't feel like it was fair to be quite frank because i had done all of these things i'm gonna say in the order that they say little girls are supposed to go in like go to school graduate start your career get a husband and then have a baby. At least that's the stuff they tell you when you're a kid, right? And so I thought based off of my choices in which order I went in, that I was doing things the way that I was supposed to do them. And then when I wanted to have a child, at least with looking at the way my body is structured, it was like, mm, no, not right now. And so when we went to the surgeon You know, we had the appointment and she told us what our options were. She told me what date I can have the surgery. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't even want to think about this if we're about to have a wedding. So I remember leaving the office, walking down the flight of stairs behind the office and just, of course, feeling like a black cloud was over me. And so I ended up having a conversation with the first lady of our church. And, you know, she did a prayer over me and over my husband and I, and, you know, of course they did the prayer. And so I felt like, you know what, I'm just going to take it and put it in God's hands. If he wants me to get pregnant, I'll get pregnant. And so, um, we went. I'm going to say about a month of doing that. So I was in church one day during live service and there was something that the bishop was talking about. And you know how in certain moments you feel like they done created and curated that whole message for you, right? So I felt like that in a moment, specifically regarding pregnancy. And it was something that he said that was not pregnancy itself, but it really made me feel like, Like ding, ding, ding. This was my answer. Now it was interesting because the first lady looked at me as well, considering we had just talked about me praying and letting God tell me what direction to go, you know, in terms of having surgery or not. Um, Like, do I want to just wait the natural way, see if my body will be able to get pregnant and all these things. Right. So during that day, she ran over to me in church and she was like, I felt like connected in the moment, like you and I received the same message. And I said, the message that I just received is that I need to go ahead and get that surgery. Both broke down, start crying, right? But because I also am happy that I took my time to wait things out to make sure that I was decisive and for sure that that was something that I wanted to go into because it wasn't like a surgery where, I mean, I did go home the same day, but it wasn't like a easy surgery on my body whatsoever. So I... Progressed into the process, and then I decided to reach out to my church to fill out the prayer request. So I thought this was really interesting, like as a therapist. To be honest, she's called the elder, but she's a woman, and she is the one that answered my prayer request. And I think that that was intentional. She told me because she was the only woman, at least, on the board. And so we had a conversation one day at the church, and she was like, "You know, they call me TK. They were like, she was like, TK, you're a therapist, right?" And I was like, yeah, because I had just finished telling her how nervous I was really to go under anesthesia. I had never been under anesthesia outside of getting my wisdom teeth taken out. And I just wanted them to come out at that point. But by choice, not by pain, I didn't want to have no anesthesia. I I barely even wanted to have a surgery, you know, but I wanted to have a baby. So she said, you're a therapist, right? And I'm like, yeah, why? what, What does it have anything to do with this? And she said, well, what would you tell your client if they came in with anxiety? and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like you put me on the stand. And so I ended up telling her what I would have told my client and she said, "You know, I think that is interesting that you can spit that answer out fairly quickly and it was really good, but you can't practice it on yourself." And I'm like, "Well, come on now, elder." You know. So, anyway, she just put a lot of pieces together of the puzzle for me in terms of me operating in fear and not operating in a state of abundance, right? So move forward that October, uh, we had the wedding in May. I waited and then I proceeded to do the surgery in October. Okay. And honestly, looking at my timeline out loud, I don't even think I did the prayer request until after the wedding. Cause I don't want to think about it to be honest. So all of that, I, I just say it happened a little after the wedding, after I sat on it for like a couple of months. So I proceeded to have the first surgery in October. So you have to go get a prep, like a prep. Um, appointment or whatever. So I thought it was like, it it scared the bejeebies out of me when they said like, what is your spiritual preference? I'm like, Oh, you know, put that down. So when they asked for my spiritual preference, I was like, you know, why? And they said, Oh, because you're going under anesthesia. And if anything happens while you're in surgery, we need to know what kind of person to call to be by your bedside. I said, now we are talking about death. We just trying to, we, I thought we were talking about give a life, you know what I'm saying? Like one day. And so I'm not making it comical during that point. I'm laughing now, but it was definitely not funny that day. So I filled out the information and then they scheduled me for the surgery. So on the back end of things, emotionally, I did not share with anyone what was going on with me outside of sharing with one person who I went with me to do the trying on of my dress for the last time, one of my best friend's sisters, which is also my like my friend and my my sister. Um, I told her everything that the doctor had told me when I initially was called for the surgery. And I, I know I didn't say that um, in part two. So some of the other things that they had told me is that I was diagnosed with something that required me to get a biopsy, to rule out cancer. It came back negative, but now I have to get that test every three years. So that was scary. They also found fluid in an area that they're not supposed to find fluid. So all these things led to them wanting to do the surgery. And then they also had to determine if I had endometriosis because- prior to the surgery, I was having hella bad cramps since I was 11 years old, since my stuff started. And so they really couldn't see that much on the ultrasound. So I had to give them approval that when they did the surgery, if they see other feminine things going on, that they can fix it or scrape it out. Excuse me, if that was TMI, uh, while they have me microscopically open. I don't even know if I said that right. So it was a less, it was a, it was, it was not as invasive as I thought it was. When I checked into the hospital, it was interesting. I told my husband, I said, send a Facebook message to these four people, which were my best friends and tell them you'll hit them up when I'm done with surgery. It wasn't until that point when I was out of surgery and, you know, coherent and stuff that he read me the message back and he said, they now concern talking about what surgery. I realized I never shared with them what, what was going on with me. And some people may ask why they're your best friend. They're like your sister. You grew up with them. Why you didn't tell them? Well, first of all, let's be 100% real. When you're going through something like this, especially when I believe that it is a woman's birthright, right? to have a child, to bear a child, to bring a child into this world vaginally, you know what I'm saying? Unless it's a medical complication. It sucks when someone tells you, you got all this stuff going on and unless you have the surgery, you may not even be able to hold a baby full term if you can get pregnant. Like nobody wants to hear that. So I did not want to open up an emotional can of worms to my friends and start asking me questions that hell I don't know. And honestly, I don't want to think about it every moving part of my day. And also it's not a problem with extending empathy toward me, but excuse me, if you, you hear some noise in the background, I'm not going to stop this series, but it's a trash man. So whatever. I don't even know if y'all can hear it, but I can hear it as hell out. But um, it can become emotionally draining. At least I played this narrative in my head to tell people what's going on with me. So I'd rather just tell them afterward and then give them a summary. So um, I ended up telling them what really happened. So I also found out from the surgeon that when I had the surgery, the surgery was only supposed to go down for like 45 minutes, an hour. They don't cut you open. They just put two incisions a little bit below your belly button, but on the sides. And they go in through a microscope and then do whatever they got to do. And so she said that she had to stop the surgery because it was four hours. You heard me right. It was four hours. Hours. Okay. So, what ended up happening is I started bleeding internally. Now, they told my husband this during, and then after a while, the doctor was like, nah, sew her back up, whatever, you know, close her up. So, I didn't know this until I woke up. So, it scared me, but then it had already happened. So, what can I really do? So, moving forward, the process to get back on my feet was very difficult. I couldn't walk. They had to take me out in a wheelchair. I stayed in a two story home at that time. I had to do everything downstairs. My mom or my husband would drop me off at my grandmother's house for the day while my husband was at work at the time, simply because I, I, or they did not want me to be at home by myself because I was on some serious medication. I could barely walk, right? I could walk, but I was like going, you know, like hella slow. And so, um, I was at my grandmother's house for probably like four or five days until I was able to like maneuver around my home by myself. And like on the weekend when my husband was there. And so, In terms of going to the gym, because I had really focused on getting my body right, especially during the surgery time, because I'm like, I need to get my body revved up. You know, I'm over 35. I'm about to have a baby one day. And so I decided to use that time instead of focusing on pregnancy to really focus on, on my health. And so I started that journey. So then a little bit after the surgery, I started going back in the gym. It did take me a while to even do things that required me to jump when I did go to the gym, it almost felt like I was a person who I had just got out of a wheelchair because my trainer would have me in a chair working out where I can literally just stand up and sit back down, no jumps. So that was really hard for me considering if you saw me with how I used to work out and low-key how I still can, that also was like a blow to my ego. Like, damn, here I go. Low-key feeling like I can't do something again, you know? And so there were multiple blows to my ego during this time frame. So that was October. Then I went back and she said, "You could try for a baby, the surgeon." She said, "But I'm a little OCD." So, it's good, but it ain't perfect. Talking about the the shape of my uterus, it needs to be in in the shape. So she said, "If you can let me go back in, I can fix the rest." I said, "Let me think about it." So I thought about it, prayed on it. Immediately, not that many months, it was like a couple of days. Me and my husband decided, "Let's move forward. Let's go ahead and get the surgery. Let's get it on the books." So I scheduled that surgery for February of 2017. Okay. Now that aftermath of the surgery wasn't as bad. I still couldn't jump. I still couldn't do abs, but my recovery was a lot quicker, like two weeks versus two months. I can do no abs for two months after the first surgery. So all of those things happen with the surgery. And I look at that as a time of preparation, right? So one of the biggest takeaways that I want you to hear from this video is, be okay with sharing your journey with people that you love. Don't create a narrative that's based off fear. Fear is determined by, at least spiritually, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. So, in my mind, I created a narrative that not that my friends and family wouldn't love me or anything like that. It just more felt embarrassing. And I didn't want to deal with the emotional toll of people asking me, How do I feel? I'm not choosing them as my therapist, right? Go to therapy if you need to. Maybe that would have been more helpful for me during that time. But I found my own way, even as a therapist, to process my own stuff. Because the good part is I am a therapist and I have skill sets. And sometimes we do need to go to therapy, but I chose to use my own skill set and my community that was very helpful during that time for me to maneuver through that situation. Okay, okay. And so in the next part, it ain't gonna be so much of a downer, all right? In the next part, I am going to talk about what did I do to manifest my pregnancy? All right. So I really hope that you've enjoyed this video. Please make sure if you love it and you want to stay connected, subscribe to my channel. Let me know what was your biggest takeaway. What stood out to you the most? What triggered you to maybe think about a loved one that's going or has been through the same thing? What else would you like to learn about in terms of my journey? Of course, with what I shared today, and I'm going to continue sharing section, kind of like a scene of a movie section by section, because I mean, if I recorded this series in one video, I think think it would literally be like two hours or something like that and it is quite easier to break it up into chunks like chapters because then I can focus on what is the goal of this video and so now we're going to move into more upbeat manifestation uplifting your mood and believing that anything is possible like this video and I will see you in the next one bye dot com.